Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hello, friends. We're back with another show. And today I've got Astrid Schmidt, who is a certified gestalt therapist. She was trained at the Gestalt Center for Psychotherapy in New York City. She received her master's of social work from Columbia University 20 years ago and has been practicing psychotherapy for 17 years. Astrid is passionate about helping folks transform into deeper expressions of self. That's capital S self. And don't worry, I did ask her to define that in today's show. She created Spiral Mapping Method, a creative healing approach designed to help folks master their core healing themes of this lifetime. We're also going to get into that. So get excited. Astrid is a mother. She's a jewelry designer as well. And she believes deeply in the healing potential of mothering and joyful creativity. So I first was introduced to Astrid's work uh, a couple years ago by a mentor of mine and was really intrigued by the way that she approaches and discusses uh, mental health, anxiety, depression. My big promise, like in my work at large, throughout my company, with my brand, my big promise is to always bring you new ways of thinking about your health to kind of expand your mind on the way that you think about your body, um, your food, your health. And that is true for everything I do in my work, um, including all of our programs, the Functional Nutrition Academy, and of course, this podcast. One of my goals this year is to bring on more thought leaders. And a huge audience, a huge following does not a thought leader make. Thought leaders are people who are saying different things, who are not caught up in the echo chamber of whatever industry they're in. They take a unique view and unique spin on things. They help us stretch our imaginations and our minds. They help us see things in a new and different way. This is what's fascinating to me. Um, and this is exactly how I see Astrid and why I invited her onto the show. She talks about depression as an invitation or an initiation. She refers to the medicine of depression. And that is absolutely not the way most of us are thinking about depression. So today's show is really all about that. And I want to post a couple of disclaimers because you'll hear me say this later in the show, but the goal here is not to take tools away. She is not anti-psychiatry. Um, she she talks about after we we stopped recording she talks about finding your 
medicine. And that medicine may be a pharmaceutical or it may not. So we're not here to say there is a right way and a wrong way. We're here to say, what if always were available to you? What if always were accessible to you? And there are some people who are doing the traditional thing for mental health and perhaps not getting the results that they want. So this just puts one more tool in front of you to say like, hey, this conversation may help. And if it doesn't, cool. Um, of course, our forever disclaimer is that this is not medical advice. We are not advising on any type of medication. We are, we, this is just a conversation um, that we are having. And it's definitely a big picture conversation, just a heads up, but be sure to stay all the way to the end for some more practical strategies because chances are you're looking for those. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you know, we talk about transformation. Most of us are here because we're looking for some type of transformation, and that might be an external uh, transformation, a health transformation. But oftentimes, that outer transformation starts on the inside. And so, this is a conversation about that. Now, without much further ado, here is Astrid. Okay. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been following you on Instagram. You are one of my favorite accounts to follow on Instagram. So I'm really, really thrilled to be sitting down with you in person. Well, as about as in person as we can get these days. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. So happy to be connected. Okay. I would love to start off. You are a gestalt therapist, <laughs> not saying that correctly. Um, can you just explain what that type of therapy is? I would love to just start yeah. there to get a little bit of a beat on your background. Totally. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, but I did my institute training in gestalt therapy. So it's essentially uh, an evidence-based holistic approach to working with people where there's much more of a focus on the body, the present. It has its roots in Zen Buddhism and the phenomenology, but it was basically came out of the human potential movement in, in response to psychoanalysis um, and the sort of like headiness of that. And more, there was more of an emphasis on like what's happening now and what's happening in the body and learning how to resource yourself and learning how to make contact with what's happening instead of just talking about things <laughs> ad nauseum, you know, like being in relationship to your body with the material. So, and when you say what's happening now, do you like, is this? So I'm like totally punching above my weight with this conversation. So I'm just going to pre-frame the whole, the whole episode by being like, I'm out of my depth. Um, but when you say what's happening now, do you mean like, rather than talk about what happened to you in the past, we're more focused on right now, what's happening here at the level of the physical body? Yeah, no, it's a good question because the, the sort of hallmark of Gestalt is the empty chair. So if you're like my mother, if you you know if you're talking about your mother or your a partner or somebody from the past, instead of just talking about it or about them, um, you would bring them into the room, right? If you like, that's the sort of like a very techniquey something, but just that idea of what would what how would it feel if they were here? Because that'll bring more feeling, right? And maybe that feels too uncomfortable. So you imagine them like nearby, or you know, there's it's it's very much. Um, very experimental and imaginative. So you're using your imagination and using the present moment to, to connect with what you're talking about. So you're not just spending 60 minutes in an intellectual conversation. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then in, as far as like that, I mean, I've been in and out of therapy and different like healing modalities for gosh, a lot of years. And I got to the point where I felt that 
I can't just like talk my way out of this thing, this, I can't like logic and reason and verbally process my way to healing. I've like likened talk therapy to like trying to clean a floor with one of those old fashioned, like rope mops. It's like, you're not really cleaning anything. You're just like moving stuff around, which can be so, if this is not a dig at all, it's like, that can be so helpful for folks. And I got to the point where I'm like, I think what's happening. Like, it's like, it's like a physical body thing. It's like a visceral sensation that I'm experiencing and I can't talk my way through this. Totally. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. All right. So today, the name of the game today is kind of, we're going to talk a lot about depression and you, your whole jump off is healing depression holistically. So when I think about a holistic approach to depression, I think about it through the lens of the physical body through mm-hmm. more of a functional medicine approach. So things like the inflammatory hypothesis of depression, um, thinking about microbiome imbalance, how what's happening in, at the level of our gut influences our brain and our mood, um, hormone imbalance, you know, thyroid dysfunction, low androgens, adrenal hormone mm-hmm. imbalance, low progesterone, all of these things just like off the top of my head can absolutely influence mood. Uh, nutrient deficiencies can do this as well. So when I think about holistically healing depression, that's where my mind automatically goes just based on my training. Is this what you mean? Or is there something more to it even than that? Yeah. I mean, I think that piece is, is not the part that I work with. Right. So there's like yeah. depression is so interesting, I think, cause it's so mysterious and it's so not one size fits all. And there's a lot of like range of experience. Um, so I think the piece you just mentioned is what I encourage folks to rule out or to be supported around their nutrition or around deficiencies. Cause I think that part, um, is important. Um, and you know, for me, it's more because I, I'm, I was trained as I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So I was trained to diagnose and refer to psychiatry. So to me, it, my journey with depression came through, um, working within that model and then seeing the limitations within that model and being really interested in like what the, what else is going on outside of that lens. Um, and became really sort of fascinated with depression, um, because, the through through my train again through my particular like lens and training and and we also live in a culture where this is really prevalent is that the, that depression is this is evidence of disease right and so there's um markers for that and then there's you can get diagnosed and oftentimes people be told that they have lifelong medical it's a sort of genetic medical illness um that you have to manage with with psychotherapy and medication, right? So that's sort of like a prevailing, generally accepted <laughs> like approach to treating depression. So for me, I'm interested in like in what the depression actually is and getting to the root cause and like psychospiritually. So it's less about like um, for me, it's like I don't have a my expertise isn't in the nutritional piece um and what's happening sort of like metabolically with the body it's more like what is this like if we rule that out from my perspective because it's not my my area if we attend to that and rule that out how do you then sit with this sort of psycho spiritual medicine and invitation of depression um and to me that's like holistic means more like spiritual it means more um like what's the invitation here what's going on here um because the culture 
to me, the reason I'm so like curious about this moment, and I think we're kind of in this very interesting, it's a very interesting moment to be alive because we're coming into this like global moment of like reckoning where these like systems are starting to crumble a little bit. Um, and so I just think it's a really interesting a moment to be in, in the position that I am in, in terms of, you know, what, what can we continue moving toward? Um, like what's essentially true, right? So to me, um, and the people I work with and my own experience with healing depression, it's about like learning how to basically be radically reoriented around it and to be, um, if you can listen to the invitation of what the depression wants for you, you can heal it, <laughs> right? Yeah. And this is very like taboo. This is very like counterculture from in the broadest sense. When you talk about the difference between organic depression and clinical culture, is this what you mean? Like clinical culture is depression is a diagnosable illness that you will be managing for mm -hmm. the rest of your life. And that might require medication. There might be some genetics involved. Whereas, I mean, you've said it twice already, an invitation or an mm -hmm. initiation, right? What like that is. That is quite taboo, I would imagine. Um, but what do you mean by that? What do you mean that depression can be an invitation? What's it inviting us to? Yeah. So to me, the invitation of depression is really powerful because it means that um, it's basically your, first of all, it's to me, depression, I, I talk about like organic depression versus like clinical culture mm -hmm. and organic depression is what's coming up in your body, like the self-loathing and the weightiness and the lethargy, you know, whatever's going on, suicidality even, right? There's something happening internally. And then if that person, if we go then to the psychiatrist or a, a medical provider, what gets mirrored back is, this is disease. <laughs> this is pathology. Um, don't judge it. Um, you know, it's like having diabetes, you need insulin, you know, you're, you're not alone, right? Just it's, it's okay. Don't judge it. Don't, there shouldn't be stigma around it. Here's your medication and, and that's it. Right. So to me that it's like a punctuation mark to psychiatry. It, it just, it's a conversation stopper. It's like no questions asked. This is what you have, right? Like, and so to me, the invitation is what if that were at the beginning of a conversation? Mm. What if when those symptoms come up, there's something it's your body. It's a healthy response. Your body is starting to communicate something to you about where you're not in alignment, where you are. The more depressed you are, the further you are from your, from yourself, capital S self. Right. And so the depression, the discomfort of it, the insistence of it is really the, the inconvenience of it. Right. It's sort of it's a very inconvenient truth. It's sort of like eh, your body saying this isn't working for me, your soul, right? Your, your being as a whole is saying this isn't working for me. Um, and if you can listen to that and you're willing to listen to the medicine of the depression, you will be brought into deeper alignment with self. The depression will lift <laughs> and you'll feel more whole. So I think what's so fascinating is that we live in this culture where it's just like we're we're trained and miseducated to identify with depression uh, or identify as a depressed person. And so we're tethered to this thing that ends up not A, not healing the depression and B, adding this extra layer of density. This is, this is my personal experience. This is my experience, 17 years of psychotherapy and practicing this and working with depression and noticing over the years that not only did people that sought psychiatry not get better, 
for the most part in, in short term, that's also not true because there's also, there, I work with people that, you know, it's both and people have been helped by, by medication. And these are the, the tools that we have available. So anytime you're looking for help and support, just as a, an aside, you know, that's, that's powerful in and of itself to be willing to look for help and to receive it. Um, but I noticed that the people that were the, had the most intractable depression were the ones that had had the most exposure to clinical care and were most indoctrinated as like, I'm a depressed person. And that was, that was actually what was depressing them, not the depression itself, which was still left untouched. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. All right. Shit is bananas right now. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Somebody recently asked me, what do you do when you're doing all of the things, you're practicing all of the tools, but things still feel really intense? And honestly, this is where Ned de-stress comes in for me. It is part of my daily routine right now. It's a certified organic formula, full spectrum hemp with CBG, CBD, and also ashwagandha. So it really helps to calm down the body and soothe down anxiety. If you need some support right now, fortify your stress response and get 15% off Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK, go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you as always, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering myself and our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack that's eight single serve packets for free with any element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show, drinklmnt.com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. I metabolized. I don't know if that's yeah, I mean, unmetabolized emotion is a, is a whole it's a whole thing, um, and I always think about what Carolyn Miss said: belief in oneself is required for healing, and I just see that fundamentally like true. Like I just see that play out through hundreds and hundreds of you know of clients that I've worked with. But if that is true for healing the physical body, then of course it's got to be true for healing the uh, the, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual bodies as well. And I, you know, if we're being told it's no different than chronic illness, you know, chronic is everlasting. It's long-term, right? So if we're being told you have this thing and there's no cure and there's, you know, like, this is just what you've got. I mean, that's going to impact our ability or lack thereof to heal ourselves. Um, when you said capital S self. Can you define for what does that mean to you? Um, to me, the self, yeah, no, it's a great question because I think, um, to me, the self, the deeper self is 
the witness, right? It's the part, it's the part of us that isn't any of the parts, um, right? Where we contain all of these parts and there's also the witness that isn't any of the parts. So to me, it's this deeper self. And when we're in the um, sort of quality of the self seems to be uh, compassionate, eternal, loving, curious, you know, the sort of like power and magnan magnanimity, can I say that word? Right, so that there's these qualities to the self that are really beautiful and really powerful and mysterious. And to me, that's where we wanna sort of anchor our identity if, we, if we're gonna place it anywhere, it's in that place. And then from that place, this is part of how I work with people around depression is like relating to, first of all, rejecting the identity, identification that you're depressed but becoming really curious about the part, the, the very small part that is depressed. Um, so that's part of like, to me, that's the anchor, that's the sanctuary, that's the temple. We have to, we learn that there's, I mean, most of us don't know that we're sitting on a temple, right? I think that's fair to say. Um... So you had said that the, the, the worse, I'm kind of using air quotes here, the worse the depression is that mm -hmm. that's the further we are away from our true self, like our capital S self. And are, would it be fair to say that there's, there's a part or parts of you that like have the depression? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is like such a big kind of complex topic and we're recording in a Pisces new moon. So it just makes, yeah. makes everything like less tangible. Right. <laughs> but I would like to drill into this a little bit more. So are, yeah. is there a part of you that mm -hmm. is, and maybe we should even back up and kind of define the, what parts are, what does yeah. that even mean for somebody who's not familiar? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, parts, you know, there's, there's a, a lot. I mean, Gestalt, there's, I have internal family systems throughout of Gestalt, right? Like the parts work is maybe more coming into the, our vernacular, right? In terms of like the healing work we're doing. Um, so I think learning to relate to any part that isn't that deeper self is a really practical way to, to relate to ourselves. I'm also a really big um, inner child person. Yeah. So I think I find that work really helpful, right? Around like, where's the inner critic? the critical parent, the loving parent, the inner teen, the inner child, those are like archetypes that are useful um, to have a working knowledge of. <laughs> and I think the depressed part um, can be a depressed child, can be the part of us that's holding and harboring something, right? It's not like one entity necessarily, right? There might be different, you know, because also depression is usually, in my experience working with people, it's a direct mirror of what they were born out of in their childhood. It's, it's their relationship to trauma. It's how they're carrying trauma. Right. So um, if you can learn that to relate to not all at once, not in a way that's overwhelming, but like usually if there's like one thing coming up at a time or a couple, you know, you can sort of see what's present for you in any given moment and, and work with what's on tap. Um, but just that sort of rule of thumb or learning to massage, like, Oh, I'm my deeper self. I'm my adult self. And anytime I don't feel in loving curiosity, there's someone else in the room, right? So the, the part that feels most depressed, we could just say it like, I could say it like this, just to make it more tangible. Like that's a depressed child in the room, 
it could be right or more or most likely or part maybe it's not a child a depressed part maybe it looks otherworldly maybe it doesn't look like human form right you can use your imagination to to be interested in what that part is that part needs help <laughs> that part needs love that part needs contact especially um with the inner child portion <laughs> of this work right or like the part that's depressed um we have to learn how to relate to these parts because they need our help. And so just on a very practical level, I think what's really fascinating and, and unhelpful about psychiatry and the medical model is it doesn't just on a very, the most practical level, if you're taught, here's your medication and um, you have depression, then every time that sensation of depression comes up, you're, you, you think, here's my disease. Mm -hmm. I have to manage it. I should reach out for my friend. I should make sure I'm taking my medication. I should make sure I'm getting food and exercise, right? Doing all these things to take care of myself with this illness rather than this part of me is here. Who are you? Come in, sit with me. What, what is this information? What do you need from me? Sit in my lap. You're upset. What, like it, 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 there's something on a very practical level that um, we're, we're missing these opportunities over time to, have experiential data and like make contact with these parts that actually need help, <laughs> need our adult capacity to bring them along, to hear what they've gone through, to bear witness, to help sit with them so they can metabolize what they've been holding to relieve them of their burden that they've been carrying. It's all these moments of missed opportunity. If it's just, this is just an inert disease, right? It's so, there's so much parallel. I had no idea where this conversation was going to go, but I'm like fascinated because there's so much parallel and overlap from what you're saying mm -hmm. to, um, the way that I talk about, uh, chronic illness and autoimmunity. And mm -hmm. like, I'll use my own example, you know, my own self as an example, uh, eight years ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune illness and there's no cure. You will be on this medication for life. You could die. Right. Ooh, that's scary. <laughs> Wow. Um, and I found, I, I healed the physical body through functional medicine modalities. And that took me like, you know, maybe 80% of the way there. Right. So really focusing on the physical body, reducing my toxins, changing my diet, fixing my gut, all that kind of stuff. And I found that anytime I would have any symptom, any physical symptom in my body. So Raynaud's is one that's, that's, associated with the, the, um, illness I was diagnosed with, it would be like proof positive to my brain. Like, see, you're still a sick person. See, you still have the disease. See you're sick. They said you were going to stay sick and here you are, here's concrete evidence. And what I had to do in order to truly heal, to come back to wholeness, to come back to my capital S self was to say, Hmm, this is interesting. This is what's coming up in my body right now. I wonder what the message could be. I wonder what my body, what, what this is my body trying to get attention from me. I wonder what it needs my attention for. And that is the same exact way that I have approached anxiety. Anytime anxiety comes up for me, I'm not like trying to pathologize it. I'm just like, huh, interesting. Clearly my nervous system is trying to get my attention. I wonder why and bringing that curiosity to the parts of myself that are trying to get my attention and just being with that. I mean, like, what's up, what's up, bro. What's up. What are we doing here? Um, has literally changed not only my physical body, but in my health, but like my life, like my mm -hmm. approach to living. And so it's just so wild and fascinating to hear 
basically your, you know, saying very similar stuff in regards to depression. And I really feel like this is a root cause approach. This is, we are attempting to get some root cause resolution. Would you go as far to say that depression is a symptom? Yeah, to me, uh, I have so much reverence for depression because I've experienced it and and healed it. <laughs> it's funny to use like past tense, like my healing work is done. Check, right? right? Like, I am completely healed, <laughs> done, but also, you know, in process and also came on the other side of a, of a huge initiation. Um, so to me, it's, I, I have so much reverence for it it's so much more than like a symptom, right? To me, it's just like, whoa, if you're, if you're being called, if you're being this uncomfortable, you wouldn't know it, but it's like rejoice, right? The culture says you have disease. And that's why I talk about, um, my, my goal is to get to people before they go into the clinical mm -hmm. machine. You know, I'm like, try not to, if you're going to use that, you have to be so mindful and you can, you, you can certainly access those tools and, and not drink the Kool-Aid and, and let that be a support without, being indoctrinated, right? So there's like holding all of this polarity and have trying to have this conversation. Um, but it is health. To me, I say depression is health, but identifying as a depressed person is hella depressing. If you identify with it, it's going to A, not teach you. Again, to me, this is very practical. It's mm -hmm. not, there's nothing like that feels conspiratorial about like the system and big pharma and all this stuff. I mean, even though I'm fine, I believe all that stuff, but it, it's not as relevant to me as um, just the practicality of it and like the opportunities that we're not um, meeting with. And this is why I always recommend for folks that it's really important that they seek out supports that have spiritual, you need to seek out a provider that has spiritual depth because someone with spiritual depth is not going to be afraid of your depression. They're going to see it as, and an initiation and an invitation to heal, right? And I get these messages all, these, all the time on, on social media and from people I work with around like, thank you so much for this work because I, you know, I was talking to my therapist about coming off medication and she said, but you're depressed, right? So like we're, we're in this moment and that's just, again, this is like the, on the broadest level, this is the cultural moment we're at. Um, but I think we're also ready for more. I think we're ready to deepen that conversation. And there's, to me, there's something almost a little bit like, there's like a silliness almost, not in a disrespectful way, but just the idea that like feeling your bad, board up the room. If you feel anything uncomfortable, board that room up, that's bad, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's why I say that it's spiritually disorienting. It can be, can be spiritually disorienting. If you're made so uncomfortable that you're afraid, you might take your own life. You don't know what the fuck is going on. And you go see a provider and they say you have disease when your body is actually initiating you into something, into some deep territory, that's spiritually disorienting. You can almost say that's violent to reflect that to someone in that moment. So I think it's just very curious, like to your, to the word you use right around here, healing, like just to be curious, no curiosity, right? Just to be interested. Um, and that to me is like, if nothing else, if people take nothing else away, it's sort of like the fatal flaw of psychiatry is there's no place for meaning whatsoever through that lens. That's just something to like put in your pipe, you know, puff on that for a while. You could put just puff on that alone for a really long time. There's no place for meaning. All any and all pain is symptom of disease through that model. So I think 
Right. So there's no place for like pain has no meaning. Is that what you, it, you can't in the diagnostic manual, there's no, there's no circumstance in which you could go to the psychiatrist, for example, and they would, they would look you up and say, Oh, rejoice. You're having a spiritual awakening. You're being initiated. This is amazing. That doesn't have, there's no, there's, there's nothing you could find in that, in that manual that would, there's no circumstance in which you could be celebrated and supported for what is coming up and through your body. So I am already anticipating like how much this conversation is going to piss people off. And I, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. And, um, the, the longer I do this work, the more people I interface with, the more I see a need for more tools. It's just like throwing all the tools on the table and being like, they're all available to you. We're not taking away tools. And I think that people listen to something that might be a little left of the, of the narrative, right. Or or a little bit left of what they're doing. And they internalize it as like, well, that's different. So that's wrong. And, And I do not see a way for true deep healing. If we just keep keep taking tools away from people or saying, Nope, that's wrong. Nope, that's wrong. So like the more I'm like, throw them all, throw them all out on the table. Like let's fuck it up and see what happens, you know, like come on. Um, I would love to ask this question and this might be like a personal question. So if it's too personal for you, maybe talking, you know, through the lens of some of your, uh, your clients or your patients, could you give some examples as to what depression could you've, you've referred to depression as your own initiation. What did it initiate you into, or what are some examples that depression could initiate people into? Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, for me personally, so I have two, two daughters and, um, and I thought I had done some healing work before mm. 38 when I, when I got pregnant with my second child. Um, <clears throat> but my entire life fell apart in that, in that moment. And so, and for the next several years, it didn't, it took me a while to understand what was going on. Cause I was seeing my acupuncture stuff. like, I'm so depleted. I can't, I don't have the resources. And it like two, like a year and a half in, I was like, oh, I'm dissociated. And it was this, for me, it was this birthing and thawing of my trauma body. And so, um, and it initiated a huge amount of healing work, um, that took me 38 years to prepare to meet. Right. Um, And so that's just my own personal experience. And I think for a lot of women, postpartum depression is initiation and we don't have the village. We don't have the resources to support a woman who's now in one room and one, you know, if she's lucky, there's a partner there versus like a whole village holding her through that initiation. I use that word a lot because I I find it very um, orienting and also moving and um, it, I, it comes to me from Francis Weller's work. He's a soul activist. Um, and he says that life will initiate you, whether it's through death, through parenthood, through disease, right? And um, we don't, ha- but he says, you don't have to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're constantly going to, life will continue to try, but you can be like, nope, I'm good. I'm not going to do it, right? Um, and to me, I feel like that's the sort of, that comes up for me around um, the depression. You don't have to let it initiate you, right? You can take the pill, but to your point, I agree, put everything on the table. I've worked with people that, you know, there's, there's beautiful, artful psychiatry happening out there. Um, you know, people are, are, are getting help and relief. And I think what, again, whatever you feel drawn to intuitively go toward that, 
And for some people that feel like, oh, my diagnosis, it just fits like a glove, the medication, I am good. I'm like, that is epic that I'm, you know, I'm so stoked for, for people that find what their medicine is. I just tend to work with people that are more, that are doing a different thing, but it's not because that's right and the other one's wrong. So I just, I just wanted to echo what you shared because I think it's really important around this subject. I do want to shout out our show sponsors. They make this show possible. You know, it's awesome. We want to support them. It's really important in this day and age where we're just like hungrily consuming content to pause for a minute and think about the people that make it possible to produce the content that we're consuming. Okay, I want to talk to you about Moringa, which is a plant that can give us a green powder. And I've known the benefits for Moringa for a while. It has a lot of protein, vitamin A, potassium, calcium, vitamin C, iron. It's a pretty powerful and potent little plant. I couldn't get past the taste. I would buy bags of it, just not really know what to do with it. I love me some like dirt flavor. I'll drink matcha tea all day long, but the Moringa, I was like, it's kind of weird. The good news is that you can get all the benefits of Moringa without like the weird taste in Organifi's green juice. So you can go with their original blend, which has kind of a minty taste, or with their brand new green juice crisp apple blend, which tastes mm, just like apples. Organifi's green juice also has other green superfoods like spirulina and chlorella, as well as ashwagandha, a really nice adaptogenic herb that helps to balance out cortisol levels in the body. If you want to try some, and I think you should, head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash funk to save 20% off of your order. And one thing I do for blood sugar support, especially around my workouts, is amino acid supplementation. I put Keon aminos in my water bottle to take to the yoga studio or the gym, and I drink it either before or after my workout, sometimes both. I also like that it enhances my recovery. I feel less sore. Leucine-enriched amino acids help to reduce soreness and aid in muscle repair, and Keon aminos contains 40% leucine plus all nine essential amino acids. So that's kind of why it's a really good fundamental support for fitness. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and tastes really good. Save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. If you go to getkeon.com forward slash funk, that's G-E-T, K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. You know, I actually quoted you, I was teaching something and I quoted you and now I, gosh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to that effect. Like if your diagnosis feels good, like it feels like a warm blanket, it feels like, oh, this is exactly what I needed. Amazing. If it doesn't like, you know, there's a message in that, right? Like if it feels more constrictive, I'm like paraphrasing what you said, the way you said it was way more eloquent whenever, whenever I quoted you, but it, it, can you say a little bit more on that? Like how can somebody discern that for themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, um, sometimes the diagnosis feels like to, like, like you said, it feels like it just fits or it's a relief or, and it's like, oh, this is now my, this is why my life doesn't make sense. And then it comes together. The medication feels helpful and you're good to go. And I think that sometimes that works for people lifelong. And I think for some people that is a stepping stone because they're like, oh, that's so helpful. Oh, I have this thing. And then after a period of time, they have enough resources or they move through the crisis of it. And now they're kind of interested in like, huh, I don't know about this like depression 
thing <laughs> that I'm carrying. Like, I don't know if it's really, if I want to go all the way with it, you know, and like carry this throughout my entire life. So it's just, it is also something interesting to think about that you can, it can fit and then you can also outgrow it. You, you might find other resources, other supports, other body work, plant medicine, whatever. And you, who knows who you're going to be. So I think there's a lot of room for possibility and just to whatever frees you and makes you feel more expansive and more expanded versus like contracted and enclosed. I think that is a feeling of like, that's not true because we're spirit. I think I spiritually believe that we're meant to expand <laughs> and evolve. And so anything that makes us feel like we're like truncating ourselves isn't going to fly. I, this is such a inspiring and hopeful message. And I, um, you know, when I did receive the diagnosis, like I actually needed that for validation because, and I'm, you know, I'm using myself as an example, but thousands of women listening can say the exact same thing of like, I was going to doctor, to doctor, to doctor. And they were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, fine. And so to receive an actual diagnosis felt so validating. Like, see, I told all you motherfuckers, like I fucking oh. knew something was wrong. And then it gave me like, almost like a, like a little, like little healing oasis to like, allow myself to give myself permission to do the things that I needed to do to take care of myself, right. To rest, to do, you know, just to, to, to really truly heal. And that felt so good, even though there was some fear in the diagnosis, right? Like it still felt really good and validating. And then I outgrew, I outgrew it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to walk with this forever. You know, I, I, I think that I almost needed the diagnosis to validate me before I could like answer the call to the initiation, if that makes more sense, mm -hmm. because it absolutely was. And I've talked about this, like, I am so grateful for what that, uh, what that illness taught me because it like, it was a portal. It was a threshold. It was a, it was a jump off. It was a launch pad into the next, like into what I was like really here to do. And I'm for that. I am grateful from a spiritual perspective. I am very grateful for it, but I, I've questioned that before. Like, I wonder if I really would have allowed myself to answer the call of the initiation without kind of surrendering to the diagnosis at first. Mm. That's a great, that's a great point. So I would love to, this is, you know, these are like big concepts we're talking about to give listeners some like, okay, like what are, what would the next steps be for me? I know that you've created your own healing method. You call it spiral mapping. Can we just talk a little bit about what that is, what that looks like? Yeah. So for me, spiral mapping was sort of the distillation of all the work that I've been doing for it's 20 years as a social worker, 17 years in, in the room with people as a therapist. And, and to be like, you know, I'm interested in what works. I'm interested in what's productive. <laughs> um, and like, what is it when we're healing and what is it about how we're in relationship to our material that makes it so that we can actually evolve it versus looping on it. Right. Cause we can be activated or in pain, you know, you can be pain enraged. You can be feeling your feelings, quote unquote, in ways that don't resolve them or don't help move you forward. So that's not in and of itself healing. Um, so to me, spiral mapping is a way of being oriented around like our healing work isn't linear, which most of us know, um, because we keep hitting the same fucking shit, um, over and over again and uh, sacred, sacred shit. And so it's about like it, there's, to me, there's four phases of the spiral. So there's the peak, which is when we're 
our most evolved self. We're living our best lives. We're like, I'm good. We're in clarity. We're in flow. We're in trust. And then love that, love that so much. <laughs> we love that part. We love the, the ascent phase, right? We're like, good, quit therapy. We're good. <laughs> um, and then we can start to slip. And I call that the descent phase. Excuse me. And that's where um, it feels like a minor note feeling or like something feels like off. <clears throat> it can be triggered by outer events or our own low self-worth thinking. Um, and then we can be brought into a full contraction. So to me, that's the bottom of the spiral for people that struggle with depression. That could be like a depressive episode. Um, and that is where it feels like life is squeezing in on you. And it feels like, ah, uh, we feel triggered. We feel like we're in our early survival strategies. Um, whatever is going on in the outer world can feel like it's just true. You know, like it's just, it's just happening to me. We feel a victim oftentimes when we're at the bottom of the spiral. And yet that's the place where we need to, that's where that's go time. All of the, the spiritual work, all the teachings, all the books, all, you know, like that sound great when we're hot flying high. Yep. That, that doesn't touch any of the stuff we're doing. Like, it's like, that's where it's go time, right? Like that's where you implement all of that work when shit actually hits the fan and, and you're, and you're getting activated because you're at, you're in that moment to me, I liken it to like a, uh, like the iron is getting heated up. And then you can reshape it when you're activated, but it's also the most impossible time to do that work when you're activated, right? So it's like the clusterfuck. Um, so you you have to, but you can't because it's like the razor's edge um, to basically intervene with your higher self in that moment. Because that when we're at the bottom of the spiral, that ascended master has left the building, mm -hmm. right? We we don't know where that wisdom is. We forgot what we learned, um, but we can we can start to grow this muscle of capacity of meeting the part that is afraid, dissociated, in terror. Usually, the, you know, this is our core material. Um, unlovable, alone, powerless, humiliated. Like when life starts to feel like huge, like mythological proportions, we know we're in childhood material. Mm -hmm. And so we want to bring our adult capacity to notice some part of us, to notice like, oh, this part is here. Oh shit, like there's a child in the room or this part. And we actually have that part. We need to actually meet that part. <laughs> this is like the, it's the, the nuts and bolts of spiral mapping. It's very practical. So if we're triggered, we're gonna be triggered and released and go back to being ascended masters. If we don't do any work at the bottom, not much will change though. However, because it's a it's a reenactment. It's the child being left alone again by by myself. I'm terrified, right? And we kind of like can move through that by ourselves. That's the reenactment. But if we bring our adult self, that's that has the the wisdom, some part of us. And again, this is like a muscle that we can train. Anybody can learn it. It's not like it's just for some people. It's like a, a learnable skill where you learn how to bring that part of you. Recognize that's not you. That's why we can't identify as depressed. We have to separate, separation is key. Um, and to wanna to be with the part that trusts you enough to show up this fully and needs you to recognize that they're in the room. Because usually what we do is we enmesh with a child mm. and we think my life is fucked or everything is, you know, whatever's going on, we're just like, this is what's happening. But meanwhile, the child's like, now the child is steering the car, right? So we need to put the child in the back seat, take, put our hands on the wheel and say like, you're really here and you're really feeling this. and I. Yeah, right. Like we, there's a lot of like, I call it um, transformational contact that we need to have with a child where the child has been holding this burden of whatever they went through that they didn't get to metabolize. 
in childhood that we now sit with. What was needed then was the adult. The adult wasn't there. We have to give everything to ourselves that we didn't get um, as children, right? So now we're the adult presence. We're our own loving parent, not our biological instruments. They're, they couldn't do it then. They're not going to do it now. And we nurture these parts to the, then, then the child's like, oh, there's someone else here. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank God. Okay. Here, take this. And then it says like, I'm, I'm unlovable. And then we hold them and say like, I know why you felt unlovable. I can really get that. I, I know what you went through. I understand why you feel that way. And it's not true. That's what start. This is true for depression. That's what starts to relieve the burden of what that part has been carrying. Right. And that's how we reshape the iron. And what's interesting is that when you do that work at the bottom of the spiral, I call it, then when you get to the next ascent and I have this like workbook, you can see it's just one page. You can literally see your, your consciousness is more elevated than it was when you come out you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, thank God it's over. Okay. Right. And then you notice like, oh, as high fly, as high flying and amazing as I thought life was before this contraction, now I'm even at a more elevated, now I see even more like, it, right. You can just actually watch. This is how we're wired spiritually is to evolve. And you can actually witness that in real time. You can look at your last worksheet and say like, oh, that was my perspective. Things were great. And now they're so much more amazing <laughs> because I actually can like the, the vantage continues to, I think, infinitely expand. Right. So that's the, I thought it was going to be a short version. That's the, that's, that's spiral mapping. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, <laughs> kind of obsessed with everything you're saying right now, which just makes so much sense. It lands so true. And it's so fascinating. It's like, wait, especially the, um, when you feel like everything's closing in on you, when you feel like you're reverting to like old patterns and just like triggers are being activated kind of like all at once, that's where we're like, oh, it's, you know, oh shit. It's, it's really bad. Um, and what we really need to do is kind of stretch our capacity for that, that discomfort by, you know, recognizing that this is coming up for a reason, somebody else is here or, you know, part of myself is here. And can I, you know, as like the 38 year old Aaron fully resourced adult right now, kind of touch into the, the pain that's presenting itself. Um, I also think about, you know, when my reaction is like sort of disproportionate to the actual event, you know, like, like, why am I getting so mad? Like, why do I keep you know, fixating on this or like, why do I feel such significant like grief and sadness for this like kind of like small scale event? That's usually for me an indication that like, hey, like there's a, there's an inner child <laughs> present here. You know, like there's like, there's a wound that is that, that we're sitting on right now. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a really good point. And the, just the idea of building capacity, right? Because if our, if our caregivers, we were angry, they couldn't feel, so they just collapsed. Then we are, as adults, we go to a provider and they're like, oh, this is bad, hot potato, right? And nobody's teaching capacity actually, right? Which requires like maturity or I don't know, a skill set at least. So I think that's really important. And again, like just super teachable, but we, it's like, it to me, that just brings so much compassion for all parties involved because we weren't taught it in childhood. We aren't taught in the, you know, the world that's reflected back to us, um, but for the most part. And it's just something and we just have to do this work ourselves, but through no fault of our own, <laughs> do we have to do that work? And I also like, it can be super helpful to understand like why, why we're like this, right. And to like go into the childhood stuff and to look at how we were raised, our family of origin, um, parents, caregivers, all of that. And I, 
I'm curious your thought on this because it's, it's very helpful to understand why, who we are, why, why we are like this. Right. But it gets to a point where I've seen people almost like get like a little too stuck in those stories, almost like they're just like marinating. Well, like, and like every conversation becomes about like, well, my parents did this and my parents were like this. And it's like, can we like move beyond that too? Cause like at the end of the day, you know, our parents most likely weren't taught this either. So they're operating from like a limited capacity as well. And, um, how do we like touch into some of the childhood stuff without, I guess, like getting hyper fixated or like stuck there or over identifying it with it too much. I hope this is not an insensitive question. Yeah. If it is, I'm just going to delete it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think we're, we're trained to identify like with different victim labels, right? So like even if or depression or even survivor, right? I don't know. I just think these are all interesting mm like at, at what point is it serving us and that at what point does it feel like it's kind of like cramping our style um but to your point i think it is possible to kind of loiter in the healing work a little bit right where it's like um and i think for some people part of the reason that happens is because is around like the diagnostic culture because it's sort of like ah like i guess things are okay i have this depression or whatever the diagno the, the diagnosis is and it kind of um, encourages that and encourages like resignation almost right where we're kind of like there's no escape or we're just focused on it because it's there versus like um there's a lot more interesting things going on than your wounds your wounds are like one pixel of reality there's an entire universe within you there's a lot more going on than your wounds or Caroline Mace calls it, you mentioned her like woundology. Yeah. But you were so obsessed with it. And we actually have to be to, in order to some degree, if we're going to master it. Right. Cause otherwise if we, what we don't know, don't want to be aware of, it doesn't just go away. To me, it's all about like learning what the core material is just so that you can know the, the shape of it and then get the fuck out to be like, Oh, I'm here again. Okay. I got it. Like, I'm not, you know, there's this very subtle aspect of inner child work that I think is really interesting to, to your point, possibly around, we, we do the inner child work to heal the inner child. So like, to, you know, there's all this, it can heal and we give ourselves what we didn't get. And we raise this child from the ends. Right. And it's also true that the child will also have, it doesn't heal. The child will have always experienced that trauma this lifetime. Right. So there's a certain point where once you know that you you can't just, there's like a, some sort of a form is like fall into the hole. You can't just go in there and expect resolution from within it, from within the wound. You have to know enough about like, okay, I, I mapped it out. Now I'm going to get out of Dodge and focus on building my life and what else is here and where I want to, what I want to build, what I want to create, right? All this energy, we put so, so much life force into the wound. Yeah. It's like, um, this feels like a, a way to, cause we don't want to reject and bypass the wound, right? Like it's, and we also don't want to like bake ourselves into like the casserole of like our <laughs> wounding either. So this feels like a way to navigate sort of like the middle ground almost. Yeah. And what's the yeah. best way to connect with you? Instagram, website, both. Um, Instagram is easy. My website is astrichmidt.com. Uh, my handle is astrichmidt. 
easy. Yeah. I, um, I highly recommend everybody go because you, you do, you create a lot of content on Instagram videos and, um, written content. And it's just really, really unique, um, and different than the way a lot of other folks are approaching, um, mental health. And so I really appreciate that. Um, and definitely recommend people go hear more from you there. So thank you so much for this conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And I know that it will help some folks who are looking for a new way. Me too. Thank you. This was great. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.